You are listening to episode 61 of Widowcast with Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach, best-selling author of Widowed and professional certified life coach. This is a Joanne the Life Coach podcast production, which also includes Weight Coach and This Is Us podcasts. This podcast is based on real stories and real experiences of widowhood. Both my own story as a widow and many other widows I've known and worked with as a life coach. Welcome back, my friends. Oh, it's been a crazy busy month of April, and May isn't slowing down either. <laughs> Um, I want you all to know my best-selling book, Widowed, is being released in paperback. It's available now to pre-order at all the online booksellers like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, wherever it is that you go look for your books online, you can pre-order my book. They won't charge you for the book until it actually ships. By this November, the paperback will be in bookstores. So if it's not in your local bookstore by then, you can certainly ask them to get it in for you. You um, can get your hands on an early copy if you join me in the Widow Coaches class. All of my clients get a signed advanced copy of my paperback. It's my pleasure to give my book to every one of my students. In my book, chapter six is how do I get through this? And I share much in that chapter, but I want to share with you now the difference that taking an enormous leap of faith and investing in my own future made for me. I believe this was key in my being able to survive the emotional and the financial trauma of suddenly being widowed. It did even more. It changed me forever. And really, it gave me a life that I love. I decided after Jim died that I wanted to live the year 2015 as if it were my last. I know I've talked about this before in the podcast. Jim died December 29th. That night he died. So it was like just a matter of a couple days and I was welcoming in the new year without him, which I certainly did not expect to be sitting there on New Year's Eve as a widow. Yeah, I mean, Jim's death was sudden. He was not terminal or anything like that. And as I was facing this whole entire year in front of me alone, I was still in the shock of having lost him. I realized that I needed to make that year my own. I wanted to live every day with some joy. You know, that's kind of how Jim lived. He was so happy with everything at just as it was. He, it was his natural attitude to just be so in love with whatever was. It was like loving what is. There was joy in every single day, even if it was just going and sitting out in the backyard and watching a couple squirrels tumble and rustle in the garden. So I decided that the year of 2015, I was going to have joy in every single day. 
Now, did that immediately happen? No, <laughs> it did not immediately happen for me. I mean, I started out where so many of us do start out, and that was like just sitting in my chair in the living room, staring into space, unable to even focus on anything. I truly couldn't. I would pick up the newspaper to read, and I couldn't even focus on the newspaper for more than a few minutes, and I would just have to put it back down. I did immediately take a new job. I had been laid off from the profession that I worked at for, oh my gosh, almost 20 years when a big company came and bought up the small company that I was running and I didn't expect them to keep me for long. I thought they've got their own director of operations, clearly, but they did keep me on as a manager and even after they went into financial trouble, and started doing workforce reductions, it was quite some time before they got around to me, which I was pretty surprised about. I thought I was one of the last people to come into the company, so I would be one of the first ones to go, and I wasn't, but they did indeed get around to me and laid me off. This was about five months before Jim died. In hindsight, it was one of the best things that could have happened to me at that point in time. We didn't know he was going to die. Jim was retired. I was still working. And it gave us five months together without my dealing with the stress of running a company. So we were like little kids just running outside and playing each day. I mean, we just became even closer than we ever. I didn't think it was possible to become closer, but we really did. And we had those last five months 100% together. But when he passed away, suddenly there was no income at all for the household. Jim had retired before I met him. He retired very, very young, and there were no spouse benefits set up on his retirement. So when he passed away, all of his retirement stopped, and I had been laid off, so I didn't have a check coming in. There had been a company that had talked to me a, a couple times on the phone. They were um, the CEO and the sales manager buying the company out. They knew that there were problems with the company. They didn't really know enough about the frontline workings of that kind of company to fix it. And so they reached out to me, talking to me about coming on board to fix what's broken with the company. Fortunately, maybe not so fortunately, at the time it felt fortunate, that offer letter came a week after Jim died. And I didn't even negotiate it, which is kind of crazy. I just signed it and sent it back. I didn't negotiate the money. I didn't negotiate anything. I was just so happy that, oh my God, I need a job. I need an income. So I took that job immediately. It started out pretty terrific for me. But it soon became really an abusive kind of job to be doing. And it had me, oh, it had me working seven days a week. Some weeks I was having to cover help desk phones after my regular work hours. So I was working 24 hours a day for a week straight. And the whole time that that was just getting worse and worse, I was finding less and less joy in my life, that's for sure. You know, I used to be able to coach and work with my team of people 
And that's really what I loved so much about my job was being able to work with a crew of like 125 people and giving them purpose and coaching them. When I would see their production starting to drop off, somebody seemed to be struggling. I knew something was going on with them. And it wasn't like I could just be the head of a company and crack the whip or dump them and replace them. I would reach out to them on the phone and say, you know what, what's going on? I know something's going on because your work is really sliding and that must make you as unhappy, even more unhappy than it makes the company. We know when, when our work isn't our best and it makes us feel like crud, right? So I was coaching and nurturing that team to make them the best they could be for the company, but also to make them the happiest they could be with doing their work because I felt nobody should be getting out of bed in the morning dreading their job, right? How unhealthy is that to have to drag yourself up in the morning? You hate what it is you're going to have to go face and do. Oh my gosh, why live that way? Yeah, well, it turned out in this job that was sucking all my time and keeping me trapped in my house seven days a week to be available for them. And they were just crunching numbers and had me just crunching numbers on all the employees. And they were cutting employees whose numbers were that they considered too low without realizing that employee may have lower numbers than the average because they're doing something special within their team. It was just not what I wanted to be doing at all. And I finally, thankfully had that revelation sitting here at my desk. I think I had worked for them for about seven months. So it was also about seven months after Jim had died. And I just sat at my desk with my head in my hands and thought, why do I hate this job now? Why am I in that position that I am dreading having to deal with this when I get up in the morning instead of loving what I do? Because I used to love this industry. And I realized it was because I no longer got to coach and nurture the team. I no longer got to help people get the best out of themselves. And I knew that the job had to go the job had to go. And it struck me like a revelation, like a voice, like out of thin air saying, this is what you need to do for the rest of your life, not this job. You need to coach people. You need to be a life coach and help people find their passion, create passion in their lives. So I did the unthinkable actually it was unthinkable and I still I look back on this and I can't believe I did it um, initially I thought okay I'm going to start looking for um, a school where I can get certification for what it is I've been doing for 20 years coaching people and I could start looking at learning that and doing that and then when I'm ready to do that as a living I, I'm going to leave this job well, a few weeks later, things kind of came to a head with that company and with that job. And I knew that I could not go on a moment longer with it. I could not. 
I quit the job. I walked away from a paycheck. And it felt wonderful the day I did it. The next morning I woke up and thought, oh my God, what have I done? I have no money coming in now, no paycheck. I had been researching different life coach schools, but I had not started with anything. It was crazy. It was that total leap of faith people talk about where you just step off into thin air and trust that the universe will support what you're supposed to do. Although it didn't feel that way to me, I wasn't thinking of it in that way. <laughs> I surely wasn't. <clears throat> I don't know that I had a lot of belief in, you know, that the universe, God, all that is, was going to support my mission in life. I felt really terrified. I did find the coaching school I wanted after I looked at a lot of coaching schools. And you guys, I just, you know, I posted this week on my Joanne the Life Coach business page. Um, I made a graphic that says something like, learn to coach in three days, right, for less money than your hotel room. And it's because when I was searching life coach schools, yeah, I was coming, starting then, even back then, to come across places that were advertising things like $79 to become a life coach. And it was, you know, like a series of pre-recorded online videos that you just go watch those videos and, you know, they send you information. But I knew that. Like, that couldn't be right. That's like send in these cereal box tops and you'll get your life coach certification. I wanted to actually be a certified life coach. I didn't want something I was going to learn watching videos online. I didn't want um, three days and become a life coach or go buy a book and read it on how to life coach and think that I was able to set myself up in business as a life coach. That stuff was crazy. Uh, there were solid life coach schools out there. Um, one was a coaching school that is more local to me. They're in Manhattan, although a lot of their coursework is videos online, <laughs> but not all of it. And they really sounded more... Um, corporate coaching, which I did not want to do. I was done with the corporate world, right? I just was not wanting to go back to that at all, even in a coaching capacity. They also, a lot of these coaching schools sounded like um, basic psychology, kind of what's taught for psychologists. It was not really in line with my own beliefs. It was the kind of psychology thinking that's been around for centuries, actually. Um, I knew this because I've studied psychology throughout my life. I never got a formal degree in psychology, but I read everything I studied. I did study at schools, um, and I knew that's not really the path I wanted to take. And when I found the Life Coach School in California, 
I looked at their model for coaching and I recognized it immediately as what I believed, how I had always approached coaching. And I knew that that was my school. That was going to be my certification. Well, it was also because it was not <laughs> learn to coach in three days. It was not a bunch of pre-recorded videos. It was working one-on-one -on -one with a master coach instructor. It was a school that was going to not only support me and give me ongoing education as a life coach, they were going to challenge me greatly. And I think it's probably the only coaching school I found that really made becoming a certified coach kind of a tough proposition. I mean, there was going to be a lot for me to overcome within myself to achieve that coaching certification. It wasn't just you give us money and we give you a certification. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. So I went to the life coach school. I was terrified of doing it. Actually, let me back up in this story because I applied to the life coach school. I knew they had a class in September that I applied for. And at that time, they were running um, four different classes a year at the life coach school. Right. And when I reached out to them, it was like the end of July to, to find out about the September class. And they said the September class is sold out. But you can apply for a class in January. And I thought, oh my gosh, I live in New York. When you are in the Northeast, you can't plan a flight anywhere in the middle of January. Unless you're going to go somewhere that you don't absolutely have to be there. <laughs> <laughs> because the odds are there's going to be a blizzard or there's going to be an ice storm. Your plane is not going to take off. And even if your plane does take off and get out of New York, you're going to have to change planes somewhere like Chicago where you might fly into a blizzard and then you're going to sit in Chicago airport for two days before you get another flight out. It's crazy, the idea of trying to travel in the middle of January. And that's when their class was. It was like smack in the middle of January. So I tried to explain, no, there's no way I can fly out to California in the middle of January. I can't put all this money down towards this class and then find out that I can't get there because I would lose the money. There was, you know, there was a point where they would not refund your money. Um, because they had already held your place in the class and it would be supposedly too late to get somebody else in there. So there was no way I was going to go for January. And the next class after that was going to be in April. Now we're talking the end of July and, and now I'm looking at all the way till the following April before I could fly out to California to go to the school. And to me, that was like, that's an impossibility. That is too far out. What I will be insane before next April. Okay. I, it's like there, you don't understand. There is not that much time for me. I need to do this now. 
I've even got to the point that I started considering um, other places. I knew Martha Beck in, I think she's in Arizona. She was starting a class in October that year. And so I thought, you know, I may have to just go and study with Martha Beck. She's very reputable. It was not in keeping with what I wanted, how I wanted to certify. But, you know, I was running out of options there. I kept thinking, you know what? It just has to be the life coach school and it has to be September. This has to happen. So um, I had told the school, keep me on a waiting list. And they were kind of say, you know, of course we will. And every now and then I would email Jody at the school to say, don't forget about me, right? I know I'm coming there in September. You're going to have an opening. And she finally emailed me back and said, Joanne, honest, it's past the time when we would refund money. So if anyone cancels now, they know they're not getting their money back. Nobody cancels after this point. There's not going to be an opening for September. You really need to think about signing up for our January class. And I was just like, oh God, January again. I can't fly out in January. In the meantime, it got closer and closer and their class, um, their classes at that time always started on a Friday. Don't ask me why, but that's just kind of how it was. Maybe you have the week for everybody to get out there. It would start on Friday. Um, I was going to be out there in California for a couple of weeks to do this intensive training. It got to be that week. And I thought, you know, that's when I really thought, okay, I'm looking at Martha Beck or something. Um, Maybe I can even fly out to California in December and find some way to sustain myself in California for a month before the school starts in January. Crazy ideas. I was sitting outside a doctor's office waiting for an appointment, and I was reading on my Kindle one of Wayne Dyer's books. Do you, do you all know Wayne Dyer? Like his first and most famous book was Your Erroneous Zones. I loved Wayne Dyer, and he passed away that year, 2015, and his family made all his Kindle books, I think 99 cents each for a while, so I had bought a bunch of his um, Kindle books, anything that I had not already bought and read for Wayne Dyer, I went ahead and downloaded, and I was sitting outside the doctor's office, and I was reading a Wayne Dyer book, and in the book, he talked about um, intention. And he talked about intention being something spiritual, not something that's in our heads, right? And he said, the flow of intention is a spiritual flow. And to get into that flow of intention, you have to put your ego to one side. Get all your own thoughts and expectations out of the way. And just let intention take you where you're supposed to go. And he talked about um, when he was a little guy in New York City with his mom. And they would ride the subway. And that's when the subways in New York City still had leather strap handles you could hold on to. And he said they would get on the subway and his mom would hold a strap handle 
but because he was so little, he couldn't reach a strap handle, so she would have him sit on the seat. And as a little kid, he wanted nothing more than to hold on to one of those strap handles like the grown-ups did. So he would pretend that he could float up in the air and grab onto a strap handle. And then he talked about doing an exercise for intention. And, you know, I'm waiting in the doctor's office. And who knows how long I'm going to sit there and wait. So I thought, oh, what the heck, let's do this. And I closed my eyes. And I kind of let go of all my own intentions. And it felt like such a relief because in letting go of that, I had been so wound up about this life coaching thing and not being able to get into that September class where I wanted to go. And I just let it go. It's like, just let that go. Just let that go. And I felt myself float up and reach for a strap handle going by above me like visualizing leather strap handles in the flow of intention. And I grabbed onto one of those strap handles and I let the flow of intention take me wherever it was that I needed to be. I just gave it up to God, to spirit, and said, I'm trusting you. I'm going to grab onto this strap handle and I will go wherever you lead me to go because I know that's where I'll need to be. So I did that. Yeah, shortly thereafter, I got called in for my doctor appointment, did that, left their office, drove home. And as I was coming into the house, my cell phone started ringing. And I answered it. And it was Jody at the Life Coach School. This was Wednesday afternoon here in New York. And Jody said, this never happens, Joanne. But one of our students has had a family emergency and she cannot come at the last minute. So if you can be here by tomorrow, we have a spot for you. I was, I immediately said, I'll take it. Let me see if I can get a flight. Jody, I'll call you right back. <laughs> and I hung up the phone and I sat down in my office and I thought for a minute, oh my gosh. I don't know how to leave my, close up my house and leave it for that extended period of time. I don't have Jim here to help me with this. This is impossible. There's no way I can do this. And at the, uh, at the same time, the other side of my brain was saying, but Joanne, it has to be this September class. You have to do this. You knew this is what it was going to be. You must do this. And I sat there and like argued with myself, total confusion total fear. I called the hotel. It was the hotel where they were teaching at. I was going to go stay there. And the hotel said, we're booked. And I said, you can't be booked. They told me a student just canceled. She's had an emergency come up, so there must be a room available. And they said, well, nobody has canceled the room. So, and we can't cancel it just because you're telling us to. So I said, okay, good. Let me see what I can do. And they said, well, you know what? Let us, we will call the life coach school and we'll get back to you, which was awfully nice at the hotel. Shout out, shout out to Holiday Inn Express in um, El Dorado Hills. They're actually the most beautiful Holiday Inn I ever walked into. Eventually, I went ahead and called the school myself 
and said, you have to get a hold of that student. You have to tell her to release her room because I can't get a place to stay. And I'm not going to buy the airline ticket until I know I'm going to have a room, right? Finally, I got a call back from the hotel and they said, we've got the room released. We've put it in your name. All you need to do is confirm for us that you are, that you want this reservation. And I said, confirmed, confirmed, give me the room. Then I booked a flight out. I found a flight out early the next morning. By now it's already dark here in the Northeast. Okay. Because it was four o'clock in the afternoon when I started this. It was like six o'clock after six o'clock before they told me the hotel room was released. So now I'm trying to book a flight and it gets real expensive to book a flight last minute. I'll tell you. But I managed to book a flight out the very next morning. And then I absolutely in panic, I ran around the neighborhood. I found a neighbor. <laughs> This is so embarrassing. It was like the neighbor that was right next, my next door neighbors that I am friendly with were gone. They weren't even going to be around. They were out of town, both sides. Um, on one side, they go to a uh, condo in Puerto Rico all the time. Anyway, my other neighbors were gone out of town. I finally found a neighbor who agreed to keep an eye on my house for me. And I gave him a house key so that if anything should happen... There's somebody with a key that can get in. Like if you see smoke coming from the house, please call 911 and give them the key. Okay. So I found someone to watch my house. I got him to pick up my mail every day. Then I came home and by now I'm exhausted and it's already getting late at night. And I pulled out the biggest suitcase I had and I just started throwing clothes into it. God knows what I packed. I realized I didn't have enough of a medication that I'm on to get through the time I was out in California. And my bottle said no more refills. So I called and I left the message at my doctor's office on their machine saying, look, this is kind of a emergency because I have to fly out of town tomorrow morning and I need to refill this prescription. Then I realized I wear hearing aids. And I had dropped off one of my hearing aids to be replaced because it wasn't functioning properly. And I thought, I can't go sit in two weeks of classes and not be able to hear the, properly hear the instructor. So I left a message at their office saying, is there any chance my replacement hearing aid has come in? Because I have to fly out tomorrow morning I want to be able to get this hearing aid it was so insane I can't even tell you and I don't think I slept that night I tried to sleep that night finally after I had just thrown everything into my suitcases tried to cover every base I could think of and then I just laid there in my bed like vibrating my brain was just going 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 I couldn't believe I was actually going to do this I couldn't believe I was actually spending that much money that was a huge thing for me because I had no income coming in at all. And this was taking a major chunk out of my savings to pay for the life coach school. It is not cheap. I love them to death. If any of you came to me and said, look, I don't want to be just a widow coach. I want to be a full-blown certified life coach, weight loss coach, 
that's where I would send you. And I would tell you, make that investment. It's worth every penny. But I won't lie to you. The thought of spending five figures for the school, spending hotel room cost, which was about $2,500 for as long as I was going to be out there, buying the airplane tickets to get out there and back, knowing I was going to have to buy food the whole time I was there. Um, I mean, it was just insane. I was petrified. The next morning, when I ran into my doctor's office, they handed me the written prescription, but they said, look, we've already called it over. It should be waiting for you at the pharmacy. God bless them. They absolutely took care of me. So I, the pharmacy wasn't even open yet. So I raced from there to the um, audiologist who said, I can't believe it. But in the packages that we had delivered last night, your hearing aid came in. So I ran up there. She put the programming into the hearing aid for me, gave me my hearing aid. I ran back down to the pharmacy where they had my prescription ready, grabbed that, threw it in my suitcase, and drove to the airport and flew all day, literally all day. Had to change planes a couple times. It was kind of a crummy flight, but, you know, last minute I was taking whatever flight I could get. I think I landed in Sacramento, uh, the school sent a car for me because it was an hour drive to get to El Dorado Hills. By the time I got to the hotel, it was after one o'clock in the morning. I checked in, went to my room. I was still, I was exhausted, but I was still like wide awake because <laughs> I had just been going 90 miles an hour from the time I got that phone call. Waiting in my room was this beautiful bag from the Life Coach School and the gift of all of the brochures and books and, you know, welcome gifts. I sat up. I looked at that stuff for a while. I don't think I went to sleep until almost three o'clock in the morning and class was at nine <laughs> and I had to get up and shower and put on makeup and get dressed and try to look like I actually got a night's sleep in the last 48 hours. I really hadn't slept much for two nights in a row. It was crazy. One of the best things I ever did, honest to God. So um, I had all that in-person training came back. <laughs> my clothes seemed to work out. <laughs> when I went in my suitcase that first morning, it was like, what did I pack and what actually matches? This is not good. Um, I flew home and then we had the very intense three months of working with master coaches and completing assignments and completing tasks. And these were tasks that were designed to challenge us as coaches, tasks that we would have to self-coach ourselves through to learn how to do. It was crazy, crazy trying to get through all of that education. I was coaching everybody I could get my hands on for free because I had to get in coaching hours and I had to record coaching sessions, have them reviewed by my peers. Um, as I said, it was, this was not, you're going to pay us and we're going to hand you certification. I worked for this. I eventually achieved my certification. I 
walked through fire. Honestly. And every one of you listening, you are widowed. You're walking through fire. I really feel that way. When we become widowed, it's as if our entire identity is shattered. We don't have a future projection for ourselves at all because any future we had been thinking about, we had been thinking about as a couple. We had been thinking about what our spouse and I ourselves were going to do together. If you were working towards retirement, it was the two of you working towards your retirement. If you were planning a vacation that summer, it was for both of you, right? It's almost as if a wall drops down in front of you and you can't see beyond the hand in front of your face as far as your future goes. You are in the dark night of the soul. If you're familiar with the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell taught about, you are in the belly of the whale. To me, it was like walking through fire. It was as if I had been a monk in an orange robe meditating on a mountaintop for 10 years to move beyond my own ego to reach enlightenment. Except as a widow, it happens in an instant. That ego just drops away. I think that's why we also gain a different view on life. It's like we have new sight on the world when that happens to us. That's what made me realize how precious every single day on this planet was and is. It's what made me say, I'm going to live this full year of 2015 as if it's my last year on this planet because every single day needs to count for me. I want to make every day count. And when I, that September, got on that plane for the Life Coach School, that's when every day started counting for me, learning to life coach, learning those tools, using them on myself, learning to self-coach myself and having concepts introduced to me that I had never even stretched my mind to before. It was absolute reward learning to do that. But there was still something in my heart kindling in there. I launched my life coach business with a focus on working as a weight coach because it's something I had struggled with my whole life. I was very passionate about the fact that dieting is the hundred-year-old myth. And if you don't do the work on your brain and on your soul, you're never going to be able to permanently drop weight. So that was the focus of my business. To this day, if you go to my website, because I have not yet had it completely redesigned. It still has a focus towards weight loss coaching. When you get there, I, as a weight loss coach, I was getting ready to launch a podcast for my business called Weight Coach, which I do have a podcast here on iTunes and in Google Music Play called Weight Coach. But I also had it in my mind that I needed to put something out there for widows. Because when Jim died, I loved listening to podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. I listen to podcasts about business. I listen to podcasts about personal growth. I like to listen to podcasts about TV shows. 
a lot. <laughs> and I confess, before Jim passed away, I listened to TV show podcasts mostly. Because if I watched something like Game of Thrones, then I could go listen to other people discussing that episode. They may have better insight into what the writers were doing. Um, and it was just so much more fun. It was so much more satisfying to listen to somebody else discussing what I just watched and getting their thoughts on it. Anyway, when Jim passed away, I thought I want to hear how somebody else is dealing with this. I need to hear somebody else's story. So I went to iTunes and I searched widow and there was nothing. I came up with black widow, which is a heavy metal band. <laughs> not at all what I was looking for. And I was really shocked because I knew for certain TV shows like Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, there would be like a hundred podcasts, a hundred different podcasts for The Walking Dead TV show. Yet when I searched for Widowed or Widow, there was nothing in there for Widows. A year later, as I was preparing podcasts for Weight Coach, I suddenly realized I need to put a widow podcast out there first. And I knew that this was not part of my business and it was going to cost me money to put that podcast up, but I really felt I had to do it. And that's when I launched this podcast, Widowcast. And I did it straight from the heart. I just was going to share my story and share my first year as a widow so that other widows out there could hear what how somebody else got through it, okay? And then about a month later, I launched Weight Coach in addition to this podcast. Eventually, my wonderful, beautiful listeners out there, some of you started reaching out to me to coach you as a widow because you learned that I was a certified life coach and wanted to know if I could help you. And the first widow that I went ahead and took on as a client I felt a little tentative about it because I didn't want to just get on the phone with another widow and cry together, <laughs> right? Although it's comforting to share your story with someone and have them hug you and cry with you, that's called a really good girlfriend, but that's not coaching. That's not going to help you move your life forward, right? We don't move on. It's not like we leave all of those memories behind us, but we can move forward even while we are working through our grief. And I did not want to just get on the phone and cry with another widow because I knew that would not be helping her. So I tentatively took on my first client that was a widow. And my promise was, let's go ahead and try a session. And if we both feel that the session um, was helpful, then we'll go forward. Otherwise, if I feel that I could not hold space for you as a widow so that you could work through some of your own grief and pain, then I will give your money back and we won't go forward with this. And God love her. She hung in there with me. <laughs> she agreed to this. And we did a coaching session and it was amazing. It was amazing. For both of us, it was amazing. I was 
thrilled because I realized once I started working with her on that session, listening to her story, giving her some tools to work with some of the things that were causing her the most emotional pain at that point. And by the end of that session, I knew, oh my gosh, these tools are amazing to work with widows. There was so much I, and there was, I knew there was so much more for me to give to her over the eight weeks we were going to work together. I was over the moon. I mean, I didn't Yahoo with her on the phone. I was a professional coach. I know that she had tremendous takeaway from that call. And after I hung up, I leaned back in my chair and thought, oh my gosh, I have so much more to give her. This is going to be amazing. And it was. And that's when I started gladly booking widows for one-on-one coaching. Even as I was still doing one-on-one weight loss coaching and had my weight loss clients as well. It kind of took on a life of its own. My practice grew with more and more widows in addition to the weight loss clients. And I, meanwhile, encountered an amazing book coach who had her own publishing company called Difference Press. And I thought, oh, this would be wonderful to do my book about dieting being the 100-year-old myth and not really working and how you can permanently take off weight right? So I spoke to her about that. I figured I can do this book for my weight loss business. I can get word out there. I really want to challenge the diet industry. I want to really tell people the truth about these things. And then when I sat down to write, the same thing happened in my heart that happened when I tried to launch the podcast. And I knew before even an hour was up of sitting down to start writing an outline for my weight loss book, that it was not going to be a weight loss book. It was going to be a book for widows. And so I reached back out to Difference Press and said, I think I need to do a book for widows. And she said, oh, you absolutely need to do that book. And so I wrote Widowed. And again, this was such craziness in my life. I couldn't believe I was doing it. I couldn't believe I did it in like 12 weeks. <laughs> in 12 weeks, I wrote this book, worked with a managing editor, worked with a line editor, had cover design created, and it was published as a Kindle on Amazon by Difference Press. I was just in a whirlwind and it amazed me. And then, almost immediately, a New York publisher reached out with a contract for Widowed to release it in paperback, which is happening this year. At that point, I knew it was time to kind of let go of the focus for my business on weight loss. And I put Weight Coach kind of on a temporary hiatus because I wanted to focus all my energy on working with widows. And I had discovered that reaching out to other widows 
to coach them was the best reward I could give myself. And I was giving them so much. It was making such a difference. I mean, this is where the reward was for me. This is what started giving my life meaning. And so I completely changed the focus of my business to working with widows. And I pretty quickly realized that, well, two things. First, I want to tell you that creating the book, writing this book, Widowed, which is the book that I wanted to read as a widow and I couldn't find. I bought a pile of books when I first became widowed. And I don't think I got past chapter one in any of them. It was, again, a crazy investment it was not free. People think it's free. You're going to write a book and some publisher is going to sweep it up and give you a huge advance. No, that's really not how the publishing industry works. And you can't publish a book without professional cover art. You can't create your own cover. There's all this mathematics involved. <laughs> I got to tell you that there is absolutely the mathematics of how many pages the book is going to be, how wide the spine is going to be, all that stuff. You have to have a managing editor. You have to have a line editor. You are going to be paying people right and left for services to put that book together to publish it. It becomes expensive. And I took that leap of faith because I wanted this book out there. And the realization, as I was working one-on-one -on -one with widows, one of the first realizations was widows would come to me that had been seeing a psychologist or had been seeing grief counselors or had been working with a therapist. They would come to me. They had once said she'd been working with a therapist for two years, over two years, and she still didn't feel any better. And I was flabbergasted. And I'd say, was the therapist a widow? And she said, well, no. And I would think, how? How can you know how to counsel someone if you haven't experienced this? Because the truth is, I've studied psychology. And if you had asked me before Jim's death, are you going to be able to handle it if your husband dies? I would have said, oh, sure. You know, I've lost my mom. I've lost my father. I had a dear friend pass away. I've been through grief before. It was tough, but I got through it. I had no idea how different it was to lose your spouse. I had no idea what happens to you when you lose your spouse. It's a whole different ball game. It's not the same as having your father die. It's not the same at all. And I realized these women were going to psychiatrists, going to grief counselors, getting nothing from it because none of these people, the psychiatrist, the grief counselor, the therapist, none of them had been widowed, right? The, one of them was seeing a grief, grief counselor who had lost her sister. And sure, that was a deep grief for her. And if somebody lost a sibling, I'm sure she would be wonderful counseling them. But losing your spouse is different. And that's when I realized, oh my God, there is such a need in this country for grief counseling, for therapy, for coaching, for widows by a widow. 
because a widow gets it. Only another widow really understands what happens to you when your spouse dies. I also knew what a tremendous difference it made for me when I learned coaching tools and was able to self-coach myself. That's one of the key things, in, first of all, in being a fantastic life coach. You have to be able to coach yourself constantly, be very clean, and with no judgment at all about your clients. And I, to this day, I coach myself constantly. I start every morning coaching myself to prepare for my day. Coaching changed me forever, and that's what I wanted to share. That's what I wanted to give to other widows. And that's when I realized I can do this. This can be twofold because if I start teaching widows how to coach widows, then I'm creating widow coaches across the country, which we need. And those widow coaches are going to get so much from learning to coach. They're going to get so much for themselves, even if they take my class and they do nothing with the certification. Maybe they take the class and they really do not want to be doing one-on-one -on -one widow coaching or putting together uh, meetup groups for widows, but they're going to get so much for themselves out of that class. It's going to change them forever. And that's when I decided I had to create the widow coaches class. Now, becoming a life coach Going through this process where I was releasing podcasts, writing a book, creating a website, learning how to market it, because if I didn't market my podcast and market my website, nobody was going to even know that I existed. So I was going to be helping no one <laughs> unless you hear of me. I can't help you. And learning how to do all this. I learned it in a period of about two years, and it was like doing Harvard Business School all on my own. I kid you not. There was so much to learn, so much to learn about how to use platforms, even how to use Facebook, how to create a Facebook ad, all of that, as well as learning how to run your own business. How do you get clients? It was an amazing education. It's my brain has been exploding on a regular basis for over two years running and I'm still learning and growing. But the truth is I'm living the life of my dreams. I am absolutely living the life of my dreams. I've been able to create this course to give this to others because I want other widows to be able to live the life of their dreams too. I've become a successful life coach. I have a successful life coach practice. I'm supporting myself doing something that I am excited to get out of bed every single morning. I wake up and my feet hit the ground. I don't pull those covers up. I don't wake up and remember that, oh, my husband is dead. And I have absolutely nothing to look forward to today. Instead, there is joy in every day. Absolutely. Even on my worst days, there's joy in every day. And as an entrepreneur, this is like a roller coaster because you have really great days where it's like, oh, I'm going to kill it. I'm reaching all these people. This is so great. And then the next day you're like, oh, this is just never going to happen. 
I'm just really crap at this. I'm, you know, all the self-doubt rushes in. And even on those days, they're still the best days of my life. The magic still happens. Oh, I have to share this with you guys. If you've listened through my podcast, you've heard my story about the fireflies. You've heard my story about the impossible fuchsia blooms. This is why my book has a fuchsia on the cover. And if you look faintly behind it, there are fireflies. I think I've even shared with you the story about buying the Apple Watch that Jim had promised me. And two days later, a check showed up that covered the amount of the watch. Because that was Jim's thing. That was his jam. He was great at money. And it was hilarious because he would create checks that would show up out of nowhere for some ridiculous reason, some refund, some, and just, there were always checks. And he would tell me, look what I created. Look what I created. He would come in with some bizarre check that came back from the teacher's union or whatever. When I teach my class, I teach it online using something called Zoom. And a Zoom call is a blast because we all get to see each other. We're like each in our own little box on video and we can hear each other. We can interact. We can see each other. And for the first part of the call, when I'm teaching the lesson for that week, I make my box initially get big on everybody's screen. So you can see me, you can see my dry erase board. I can teach that week's lesson. And then we go back to the gallery view where we can see everybody and we can discuss the lesson and people get to ask questions. And I coach people right there in class using the tools I'm teaching. So each week when I do that, I like to have some fresh tulips on my desk behind me. First of all, it makes me feel wonderful. Every morning I walk into my office and there are beautiful tulips waiting for me on my desk. And when I'm teaching, it just makes for a really nice backdrop to have those tulips on my desk. So they're my very favorite flower. This, like a couple weeks ago, this, is this past week, I went to go get some fresh tulips for my desk because I had a class that I was doing on Wednesday. This was like on a Monday, I went to go get a fresh bunch of tulips. And as I stood there at the store, with um, a bunch of tulips in my hands, I thought, you know, I really want some tulips for the living room too. And I waffled on it because I still get that financial frugalness going, you know, and thought I really don't need to spend the extra money for a second bunch of tulips. Not that they were expensive. I pick them up at the grocery store. Okay, they're seven fifty for a bunch of tulips right? Or actually, I think $7 each. I waffled about it. And then I thought, you know what? I really want tulips in the living room too. And it occurred to me as I picked up a second bunch of tulips, you know, there was a time when Jim was alive that I would not have given it a second thought. I would have just picked up these two bunches of tulips and bought them because I wanted them. And I waffle so much now about spending even an extra seven bucks plus tax. So I bought the tulips and I still felt so guilty about it. You know, when they hand me my receipt at the register, I always just stuff it in my pocket. But as I was walking out of the store with my two bunches of tulips, I pulled the receipt back out of my pocket and looked at it and it was $15. 
you know, the, the two bunches with tax came to exactly $15. And I sighed and I put that back in my pocket and thought, you know, that's not so bad, but I really didn't need the extra bunch of tulips. I brought them home. I put tulips on my desk. I put tulips in the living room, which made me very happy. The next day, there is something in the mailbox. It was from HealthQuest Medical Group. It was my husband's cardiologist. And I thought, oh my God, not another delayed bill. And if you had your, well, you probably, every one of you have experienced that. Your spouse passes away and all of a sudden out of the woodwork come all these extra medical bills that you never expected. You have no idea what half of them are. And even two years later, stuff is showing up from some doctor's office like, oh, we overlooked charging you the balance on this. And I thought, you know, here it is. Here's another one of these bills. I'm going to have to settle out yet another medical bill for my husband. And I opened it up and it was a check made out to Jim for $15. He did it again. He created a check to pay for the tulips. Because I felt so guilty and second-guessed myself about spending $15 on flowers. And there it was. And I knew. I mean, there it was with, my, with his name on the check. I, so it's like reinforcing this is really from Jim. And I laughed to myself because I thought, you know, it's just like him. When he was alive, he would have never thought to go out and buy me two bunches of tulips. But if I said, you know, I really want tulips, he would have said, oh, go get yourself the tulips. Here, I'll pay for it. And that's exactly what happened. I went and got myself the tulips, and Jim created a check to show up and cover the tulips. It's a financial lesson that he still, from beyond this world, is showing to me again and again. So that I know, you know what, the money will always be there. I have to stop sweating it that way. I was sweating the money about going to the life coach school. It was the most money I had ever spent on something like that. And I was terrified of it. Yet when I finished, it felt like it's the best money I ever spent. Again, the expenses associated with creating my book Widowed really threw me for a loop. And after creating the book, I even bought into a mentorship mastermind with a business coach for the next year so that I could make the most out of this book. And that was even more expensive than the coaching school. I couldn't believe I did it. I even came home after that and started looking around my house for what I could sell to try to pay for that. That's how crazy it was. And I was petrified and I was sick to my stomach and I overworried it for days on end. And now that I am almost six months out into that mentorship, I can look back on it and I know it's like the best money I ever spent. And this lesson comes back to me over and over again. The money will always be there. I put all that money out with the best of intent in my heart to reach the women I wanted to reach, to create the movement in the world that I want to create. And the money all comes back. It all comes back in various ways and means. So amazing. 
and now again with a $15 check for tulips, which I know that sounds so ridiculous, but the lesson was finally driven home. It was like the last boom. It's like, understand, Joanne, the money will always be there. So I have pink tulips in my office and I have red tulips in the living room and I am having the life of my dreams. So rewarding working with you guys. So rewarding just doing this podcast. The letters I get back from you all totally feed my soul and keeps this going. So the experience that I want to give to you is the class that I created. Widow Coach's class, sure, you can jump in and become certified as a widow coach and do that with an eye towards setting yourself up to coach other widows. Or you can take the class just for the personal evolution, the personal growth. It is going to pull you through. You will become very clear on what your future holds for you, what you want your future to be, right? It's an amazing class. I love every minute teaching it. I fall in love with my students. I teach them that I love every one of you and there's nothing you can do about it because loving you is my choice. <laughs> and that's called unconditional love. We have so much fun in that class. We do. Sure, there are tears, there are crying, but there's also a lot of laughter and a lot of grace and a lot of excitement. So if you want to find out more about Widow Coach's class, reach out to me because this has been amazing. I will put the link in my show notes. You can go to, and it's a bit.ly link. If you don't know what a bit.ly link is, you type in B-I-T, that's B like boy, B-I-T dot L-Y slash widow coaches. And that will take you where you can enter your name and your email address and find out how to go fill out a short application and get on a call with me. Again, the link to get more information about widow coaching class, see if it's something that you're a fit for, go to the bit.ly link, B-I-T dot L-Y slash widow coaches, and it will take you right to that page. I would love to get an application from each and every one of you and get on the phone with you to see if this is something that you are a good fit for and will work for you. Let's get you going. Let's get you the a life that you love. Let's get you excited about getting out of bed every morning, whether that's to life coach other widows or you find some other purpose that you feel driven for in the process of doing this class. Let's do this. I love you guys, every one of you. Get out there, find some joy in your day, and I will talk to you next week.